0: Welcome to the Surveyor Hub podcast, brought to you by Blue Box Partners, the only show dedicated to small business residential surveyors and valuers, created by surveyors for surveyors. In every episode, you'll learn something new about the vibrant and thriving industry of residential surveying. We don't mind what flavor of surveyor you are or what level of experience you might have. If you're in the business of helping people with their homes This is the community for you. So today's episode is actually a recording of an SME discussion panel held at the recent Surveyor Hub Live event. It was held up at the National Coal Mining Museum near Wakefield and I'd highly recommend you go and visit the place. We actually took a tour and went down the mine, which was quite something, I have to say. And it was quite an interesting experience for us these days, the world is changing. Uh, We hadn't planned on having the event filmed, but we did. And when we listened to the recording, we thought it might work as a a great little podcast. Hence, we're bringing it to you today. The atmosphere in the room was great. We all felt very semi-professional, sat there with our microphones at the front. And um, yeah, we had quite a lively discussion on what it's like to be an SME surveyor, what some of the challenges are. So I hope you enjoy it and as ever, we'd love your feedback. Right then. So welcome to this discussion panel for uh, to talk about being an SME. Could I perhaps just go through each of you and you could just tell me your name, what you do and just very briefly about your business?
1: Okay. Yeah. Uh, so I'm Larry Russon. I'm a chartered uh, building surveyor. I started my practice in 1981, uh, so it's 40 years next, um, next year. I am no longer a director or a partner. I, I'm in the lucky position of uh, being a consultant, which means that I earn two or three times an hour now what I was earning when I was a director, uh, and I probably spend three days a month actually working in the firm, helping new surveyors get qualified.
2: I'm John Brownlow. Um, I qualified in 1983 as a general practice chartered surveyor, having trained in the old um, valuation office system. I then worked for a local estate agent for a little while. Didn't really enjoy that too much selling houses. Decided I'd spent all that time training as a surveyor, so that's what I should do. I then did a short stint with the Cheshire Building Society as a staff value. I didn't really like that either. So then joined a practice that still exists in the Warrington area. That practice then split up and I set up another practice and that then split up or folded. <laughs> and I am now a director of Edwards Genesis and also a director of a sister company called Brownlow Associates. Where we're a small independent firm of chartered surveyors.
0: Super, thanks. And Alan?
2: Hello, I'm Alan Appleby, qualified in the early 80s and... Uh...
3: I suppose I've done the rounds. I I worked for the traditional estate agency surveying partnership type firm, then went into a non-qualified organisation that was very estate agency biased, um, then bought one of their branches, then sold it, moved into an insurance company and then building society, set up a department dealing with failed loans and repossessed property. So that was rather nice. It was like being poacher turned gamekeeper going into an organisation to mitigate their losses, then came back out of that large organisation as I was turning monochrome. felt my life being sucked out of me. So I went back independent and since then have been uh, involved in surveying and valuing more general practice to start with commercial industrial all sorts. But, you know, for the last 20 years, it's, you have to, you have to be specialised now. You can't be really uh, everything to everyone. So residential only. And right now it's uh, um, a family practice because my stepson joined the business two and a half years ago when he qualified on the SAVA course. And that's really nice to have some uh, succession in place. And, And the plan is from next month to work four days a week instead of
0: eight. Super. So can I just clarify, have any of you worked for one of the corporate surveying firms?
3: Nope. no
1: no no central government local government for three years but no
3: and building society and insurance company but not in the surveying and valuing side yeah and this was this was loss <coughs> mitigation
2: okay. property sales property management
0: so I'm interested then why did you want to work for yourself?
2: well in my case I sort of fell into it I suppose um in that the practice I was employed by back in the early 1990s. There were five partners. We hit a, wasn't quite as bad as the recession of 10 years ago, but we hit a bit of a downturn. The partners were aging. Two of them wanted to retire and wanted the money out of the practice. It was at the time when banks, building sites and like were buying estate or had been buying estate agents and they'd, they'd rather foolishly turned down a good offer and when then left trying to salvage something out of having, having declined an offer to buy them out and then partners wanted to retire and wanted money out of it. So the partnership ended up going separate ways Um, which left me probably facing either unemployment or maybe trying to get a job with a corporate or as a staff valuer again, which I didn't really fancy. So myself and somebody who I'd recruited or sort of persuaded to join this practice to open a new office in my hometown uh, as an estate agency, with me being there as the sort of resident surveyor, were left (laughs) in the embarrassing position of being out of a job nine months after he'd opened the office. So we decided we'd keep it going um, with one of the partners of the existing practice, who was, uh, again, either left with having to find a new job or do something different um, or raise a lot of money to buy his co-partners out. So I fell into it that way.
0: So what was it that made you not want to work for a, a corporate or another staff valuer?
2: When I worked for the practice that then split up, it was never a nine-to-five job to me, and it never has been. When I did work as a staff valuer, that was very much nine-to-five, and in fact, some days it was 9.30 till three, because there wasn't really that much to do. It was in the early days before we the the home buy report had only just come in at that time, so we weren't sort of doing surveys. It really was just just doing valuations, Um, and I didn't enjoy that. So when I did start working for an independent... And there was an element of the more work you did, the more you got paid. So there was a bonus scheme, if you like. But I, I didn't want to be nine to five. I didn't want to be pigeonholed into that. And I quite liked working late and the odd Saturday or whatever. And that just suited, suited the way I, I liked to work.
0: Very good. What you, Larry?
2: Um, because I
1: wanted to and I thought I could. So I, I, I had two years in central government. I had a year with the local authority. Then I had two years with a firm of uh, surveyors and estate agents. And I just thought, do you know what? Having worked in central local government private practice, I want to be in private practice. And if I want to be in private practice, I'd rather paddle my own canoe. And, and as I say, I thought I could. And I then learnt along the way the bits that I couldn't, and um, which I would therefore need to um, get better. And uh, after 40 years, uh, I know more about what is I can't do than what I can do.
0: So would you say, Larry, that you think of yourself as an entrepreneur?
1: Well, I think I've discussed with you in the past, Marion, a a, a book or a series of, uh, they were tapes then, uh, called The Entrepreneurial Myth by a chap called Michael Gerber. And he points out that just because you might be a decent surveyor, only pointed at those two, it doesn't necessarily mean you will be a decent entrepreneur or business person, which hasn't answered your question, I suppose, Yes, I do in the sense that I started it and I've helped keep it going through three recessions. Yeah.
0: Okay. Alan?
3: Been thinking of my answer, it's good to give me a bit of time then, actually. I didn't feel that I was in the position to start out on my own right at the beginning of, of my career because I you know, graduated when I was 19. So I was, you know, relatively young and nobody took good young whippersnapper southerner seriously in the Midlands because I chose to move away from the south because I didn't want to get stuck into the sort of Rafa Rafa Brigade in Surrey. very nice, but not where I wanted Generalization
0: to be. Generalisation
3: there. <laughs> not in my part of Surrey, I can tell you. Um, back then. It's a long time ago, you know. But I was quite fortunate because the, the sort of general practice, charter surveyors practice that I joined in the Midlands. In the end, I moved away from them to a non-qualified estate agency-based practice. And the guy that ran that was really good at business systems and he was a good business mentor to me and got to the point actually he decided to franchise out the branches because management of the branches was becoming trickier. And that was a great opportunity that he gave me and I used a lot of the tools of business management that he'd given me and added to that because I think surveyors, sorry to generalise again, but there are those surveyors who are great technicians and not so hot at interaction, don't really want to talk to the public particularly, don't want to go chasing business or caring about it. They just want the computer to go bleep. Or in the old days, the letter flap to go flap and on his office desk would be the jobs you've got to do. And you go out and you do it, you do it incredibly well. But then there's this, you need to have a different mindset if you're going to be able, you can't be risk averse if you're going to be involved in your own practice because you'd, you'd fall apart with stress after two months. Yeah, it's okay doing your cash flow forecast. It's okay doing your profit and loss forecast. It's okay arranging loans for this and, and do it. But, but life happens and those things go wrong. And even now, all those years later, when you're moaning like stink about too much work all the time, and then two weeks where there's no new inquiries, you go, oh my God, the world's going to end. You know, it's, it's very difficult. I think if you are driven instinctively, then you suit having your own business. If you are not driven, don't go there. Unless you can be part of a team where perhaps you are the great expert or the technician. And because I've worked in teams with other organisations where there's been the inspiration, the creative person, and I've been the technician running around, sweeping up their mess behind, (laughs) making sure the compliance is all in place. But I think it's great when you're on your own. You can be both, can't you? Yeah.
0: And I think one of the things I often talk about is I think it's important to recognise that as surveyors, what your superpower is. And sometimes we can be really, really good at inspecting properties, doing great reports. That doesn't mean that we're great in business and the back end stuff. So it's really important to get support, isn't isn't it? Mm -hmm. Supporting your business. One of the things that Alan and Larry and I, I think you've been in the group as well, actually, John, think about it, is we've been running a pilot with five surveyors varying lengths of uh, time in business by themselves and giving them some business coaching, I guess, from surveyors to surveyors and that's been quite interesting we've covered a, a number of different things that's thrown up all sorts of things for us to think about as a small business so well-being and what's what's important mm-hmm. uh, to look at uh, how it's important to look after yourself business planning and you mentioned Alan there just forecasting you know as as a business are we uh, are you planning ahead as much as you can social media and uh, is the rush to post pictures on linkedin of things that you've seen but without a call to action to say, call me if you, <laughs> if you want a survey. Finance and accounting, uh, that's been sort of quite interesting. And the fact th- that people don't always feel that they can talk to their accountant and, and to their business peers, and then Alan, you did a session on um, compliance and regulation, sort of protecting.
3: That was exciting.
0: Your practice, mm-hmm. yeah, and and it was quite a bit scary actually when you lay it all out, what it takes to to run a business, and that's quite a lot for one person to to do by themselves. When you've got to be concentrating on your job, and then you've got the pressures of everything else, and you can't can't do it alone. So, can I ask you, what support have you got, or in the past have you lacked, and you've? struggled with or where where have you found it?
1: Yeah, well, after 18 months of being in practice by myself and I was working seven days a week, I thought it'd be nice to have a partner. So I advertised, I was really lucky, got a very solid um, chap who joined me, uh, Peter. And um, and that worked really well because we were chalk and cheese. So the support that I had would be typically got a great idea and Peter would say, whoa, hold on, let's think about it. And over the years, we developed expertises that um, sprung from the fact that we were totally different. And, th- and then we grew. So the support that I've had mainly, I suppose, within the firm would be from the people who've joined us. And if there's one thing that I have learnt, it is that um, we are the sum of many parts and nobody can do everything. And choosing good people to work with Is absolutely vital and is a skill that I wouldn't pretend that I've uh, got it off to a T. But if you get good people to work with, that makes a massive difference. My accountant was actually really helpful, uh, saved me lots of money over the years and um, became a friend. I know, a bit sad, accountant, a friend. But, hey, I've got some QSs who are friends as well. Obviously not structural engineers. (laughs) Um, uh, And and bank manager. Bank manager, very handy to have. So in the recession in 2007, when the firm was doing commercial valuations on properties owned by builders who who had gone bust uh, and who were in a better position than we were as a firm, owed less money than we did. We kept going. If the bank had used the same criteria on us, then uh, they could well have foreclosed
2: on us. Mm. What about you, John? I'm just rewriting a list, and there's far more than you might imagine. Actually, I mean, I've never, I've never really done everything on my own. Although in the early days of the current practice, um, I joined up with Simon, who's sat here as part, part of the team. But Simon will by his own admission he was a, a background partner at the time because he had his own business, and it wasn't until about three years in that. Um, Simon also sort of switched back and came back on the tools as being a practicing residential surveyor rather than selling houses and doing his commercial agency, um, which he was doing at the time. So there was support there in that I'd just, I, I think I can preempt one of your questions here. I think you're going to, you're probably going to ask somewhere down the line, what's the worst thing that might have happened to you and what's the best thing that might have happened to you? <laughs> the best and the worst thing, or the worst and the best thing that happened to me, sort of happened at the same time in that we were forced by the recession to fall the business. Absolutely dreadful, but I learned so much out of it. And it, it sort of energised me at the time when um, my father was still alive then and he was an accountant by training. So without him, I would really have struggled. But he sort of calmed me down and said, well, you know, we need to get through this and we'll sort it out. And we did have to call administrators in and it all got folded. But whilst that was going on, I realised, well, I've still got a family to feed. I've still got to put bread on the table. So I was already, and I have, I have a sort of hyperactive mind as Chris, my son, I will tell you, I'm always thinking, I'm always doing this and that and the other. And so I was already planning what what I was going to do. So the worst of times was having to fold a business and making people redundant was horrendous. And I never, ever want to go through that again. And I've, we're very cautious about employing people on any sort of basis where we might ever have to say, I'm sorry, there's not enough work for you. So we've out, we have we outsource quite a lot of stuff where we need to. We don't use consultant surveyors, although um, we have sort of in the past shared work with, with people. But we outsource typing when we've got a surplus, so we don't have to employ yet another typist who we might not have enough work for. We've... All our accounting is outsourced. So wages were outsourced. Uh, So I got and made sure the accountants worked out the tax and the VAT and the rest of it. At the time when we were setting up this new business, PI could have been a difficulty because obviously we just had to fold the practice. And you know, in those circumstances, you might struggle to get PI cover. I found a very good broker who's based in Derby. He's no longer our broker for reasons which I won't, no fallout, it was just we decided to bring it, have a change after 10 years and go somewhere local. but he, he got the PI up and running. And then on the more day-to-day level, of course, you, your office team is only small in our case. We have two almost full-time typists, one of whom came over from the other business and has been effectively my secretary for about 15 years. Very reliable. And, but they've got to, I think they've got to have the same sort of mindset as you. If they, if they want a nine-to-five typing role, secretarial role for a small business where you know you're working probably longer hours than that, you, you're trying to satisfy clients you're trying to give them a good service you want this report to go out tomorrow you want it to look good you want it to be presented well you're not going to get very far if you type it says well it's five o'clock i'm going home stuff it you need somebody who wants It buys into the, the concept a little bit i think and they need to be rewarded for that you know we have a it's not quite john lewis standard but there's a bit of a bonus scheme you know so some of what we earn in terms of profit goes back to the to the staff obviously a network of some sort if you come in if you're setting up Brand brand new you know you've just come out of the SAVA course or you've switched to from um some other profession some other trade and you've come into surveying that way you won't have a ready made network. I know the temptation is to just do everything you can you know you're sometimes feeding on scraps and you you're sometimes doing it cheap, and we've all done that, but don't undersell yourself you know your, your best resource is you so don't don't undersell your services and your expertise and I suppose the, the possibly the biggest and most important one is your family and friends you can't do it without them otherwise it would be very lonely and very stressful uh, you need somebody to to bounce your frustrations off somebody who understands why you've got up at six o'clock in the morning again <laughs> and why they can hear you dictating downstairs again but if that's the way you work that's great you know i, I that's just the way I am I, there, are, there are others who, who wouldn't fit that model but you do need yeah you do need support you can't do it all on your own because it, it would be a very lonely road thank
0: you yeah. What about you, Alan?
2: Oh, and Blue Box, by the way. And, and, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, oh, the, just oh, yeah. us yeah. here, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's a given, isn't yeah,
2: it? Five quid.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, interesting putting down what, where the support and influences have come. My, my family, all in construction or in the built environment in some way, shape, or form mostly self-employed during their working life okay my father went into teaching construction in later years so it was normal to be self-employed so that, and have your own business so in a way that that means you're not particularly stepping outside what's established however of course I was employed to start with I mentioned earlier the boss that I worked for who decided to change the structure of his business and franchise it out and because there was a profit Share or a rental contribution, effectively it was, that relied on the success of the branch that I franchised from him, he was keen to make sure that my business was successful. So he was a great mentor and had some good systems. So that, that he was quite instrumental. And independently of that, the first accountant to whom my bank manager referred me, and he'd already referred me to the bank, all sort of it was nice it was referral 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 and and over those years i've also had network organizations in the early days chambers of commerce and then for a period business network international bni breakfast meetings that sort of thing getting the habit of networking which doesn't mean you know boring people to death but being if you're interested in what you do and it's something that touches their lives then People normally are, they will listen if it's something to do with buildings and houses and house prices. You know, you'll get that conversation and you'll get that interaction. You'll get that advice. Other friends in business would help me where I was stuck with a particular problem. Absolutely, my lovely wife. You know, the the, the patient one. Not always, but anyway. And um, so, from that point of view, I, I, absolutely. And also took a few of the few of my standards, ethics from the family in making sure that where I had employees, they were treated well and they got a share of the success if there was success. And I think that that worked well. And I even took that with me when I went in and worked for the building society and had my own independent department in there where we had target-related payments which were just so anathema to the rest of the building society where they're on a fixed amount. And they couldn't understand why at 5 o'clock all that lot went and and my team stayed there till six six thirty because the, the more success and we got a bit of peace and quiet actually at that and time.
0: It, that kind of thing doesn't necessarily have to be monetized, but it creates a partnership culture. Yeah, doesn't I, it? I think.
2: Yeah, I think it's, it's that mm. sort of team building ethic, and the, not ev- no not everybody's motivated by money. I think a lot of us in this room, if we were motivated by money, probably wouldn't be doing this. I mean, if you know, sometimes. I could probably earn more money, more money if I was employed. Well, I, I think I probably would, but I don't. Yeah.
3: I don't. But I've I I got me do, fingers I, I, in I, too many pies. And if mum yeah. if Dora walks in and says, My mum needs you to nip up and sort this problem with her TV and she can't I can't solve it. Ashley's not okay. That's life. Life and work to me should be one and the same, really. Integrating. So a lot of it is relationships.
1: <coughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in order to have successful relationships, you need people skills. And I wasn't taught any of that when I was doing my degree. But do you know what I think surveying Half of it is brick tiles, mortars, damp of course, that sort of stuff. But the other half is relationships because th- th- those people's skills will enable you to talk to the vendor and watch out when they're crossing their legs and doing all the things that tell you, well, are they actually telling the truth about that subsidence claim? And the relationships within the firm, the relationships outside, networking, yeah, absolutely. Because ultimately, uh, those relationships will help support you because... um, what are you trying to do in your in your career are you trying to be a good surveyor or are you tr- trying to provide food on the table for the family and for me it's um for me it's the latter but in order to do that you do need to be a good surveyor and to be a good surveyor you need to do two things you need to have good people skills you need to have good skills on property
0: okay in the room that we're in i've got a slide behind you and this was a uh... Uh, an image that was shared on social media a couple of weeks ago, and I shared it on on LinkedIn, and I've had like thousands of people look at it, which made me feel really popular. <laughs> and uh, uh, but it was interesting the comments that were that were that were underneath it. So we'll share share a link uh, to it, but quite simply, it says what I thought would make me productive was hard work. What actually does is hard work, time off, sleep, healthy eating, exercise, etc. So, how do you maintain a balance? Because that's one of the the hard things of working for yourself. We've all we've all done it, and we talk about work life balance. For me, actually, I prefer to talk, to talk about work life integration because. Being a mum at home, being someone who runs a business, the, the coaching that I do, a surveyor, the governing council role I have—all these different hats—is a lot of hats to, to 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 manage and spin. And I'd rather they just be me, warts and all, and whatever whatever comes out of my mouth comes out of my mouth because it takes a lot of energy to move from one one to the other. So I like to talk about integration because it's really hard to switch off from your job. And, and I know from the surveyor hub and probably some people in the room here, when you go on holiday, I know you're spotting all the defects. <laughs> you know, it's, it's hard to switch, to, to switch off and equally you go to work and you're thinking about your, your family or whatever's going on, on at home. So how do you maintain that balance or, or integration?
1: Uh, well, mostly I didn't. Mm. Uh, and there were times when I was working far too hard and I was blinkered um because i thought i thought that was the answer hard work and it isn't absolutely not you've got to box hard sometimes, but actually you need to box clever. And uh, fees have been mentioned, for example. Mm-hmm. So a number of people in the room may well have heard me say what I say to potential clients. If you are phoning round, you will find I am the most expensive surveyor in the area. And I don't do that in order to big myself up to them. I just want them to know that what I've discovered, which is that in order to give them a decent job, I need the right fee. And that needs time. So... Yeah, very often I have not had a beautifully structured life and family life has suffered and I've suffered. So I, now that I'm no longer in that um, concentrated environment, I now realised having stepped back and actually just stepping back from working five, six days a week and dropping that Friday was brilliant because that enabled me to have the time. So, you never ever get time back. I would really recommend to all professionals that they do find some time just to stand back, just to sit back, because it's a poor world this, if full of care. We have no time to stand and stare. Um,. And that time, and that, uh, and that. Well, there you go. So um, true. I could do some limericks as well, but I don't think. Yeah. Uh, just, just if you give yourself some time, you're able to actually think about priorities. And um, yeah, there have been times when my priorities have been totally skewed and totally wrong.
2: Okay. Yeah, I'd sort of um, uh, endorse that, really. I think the key is if you if you don't enjoy working hard you're not going to work harder or be very effective and productive at working hard so I enjoy what I do and if I didn't I, I would certainly be a poorer surveyor and very very certainly a poorer business person. I'm not claiming to be a good business person. I do a lot of it by flying by the seat of my pants sometimes, I think, so I've never had any formal business training. But my children are, are grown up now, but certainly in the days when they did have children, you have to make time for them, But because otherwise you're, you're shooting yourself in the foot, aren't you, really? If you have a family, you've got to dedicate some time to them. So there were times when, um, you know, we'd be taking... Chris was sport. One of the girls went to theatre classes for a bit, or you know, they get involved with things at school. So that that automatically drags you away from the work environment a bit. I and mean, we're all guilty of maybe checking our phones while we're supposed to be watching the football or whatever. But I think that that does concentrate your mind when you've got not only are you, you you're nurturing them or trying to feed them by working to to pay the bills. You you've got to nurture them and and bring them up. So you're going to be spending time with family and and children now when the children grow up maybe you should be thinking oh perhaps I shouldn't be doing this anymore I should be retiring but it's gone the other way with me I just just seem to do more but of those on there hard work yeah I do a lot of that time off I don't do a great deal of not a great fan of holidays anyway to be honest so sleep I get enough sleep Uh, healthy eating I think I do Um, exercise I don't bother with climb up and down ladders all day who needs to exercise like a mobile gym (laughs) my van
0: and and finally just to wrap up Alan any any thoughts
3: Um, I think a few of you have heard this boring little mantra that I've used over the years on not just the surveying side but I do things I enjoy for people I like who pay me and appreciate me that's quite simple and that's my work set up and if it doesn't fit those, if I've done something and doesn't fit all four boxes, then I won't do it again. I find another way and of filtering out the ones that either I didn't enjoy the client or I didn't enjoy the, the work or they didn't pay me or they didn't appreciate me. It has to have everything in it. OK, that's quite work focused. And you were talking about balance. Over the years, I've tried not to, I've, I've spread my bets. And if opportunities have come up, I've tried not to miss them and even evolutions within my own work in that that I, I remember having met another surveyor at a local surveying do. He was coming the other way on a road and we stopped flashing each other and we sat on the bonnet stroke boot of our cars and had a chat. And He said, what are you doing? Where are you going? And that, that was the beginning of us selling our six offices to an insurance company. And those little moments that pass don't let them pass you by, be, have your radar open to everything all at the time. You know, that my lovely wife I met because I did a survey for on her behalf of a property and she paid me. was lovely and then I invited her out to dinner about a month later and then she didn't buy the first property bought another one and she says can you do that so I said yes that's fine and she says by the way it's buy one get one free I'm not paying you for the second one (laughs) okay so it's just you know sometimes life is full of opportunities and yeah (laughs) curiosity (laughs) Jeff mentioned curiosity and if you charge enough you've got time to be curious curious when you we don't We don't survey buildings on holiday because we're habitually working. It's because we're actually interested in buildings and the people that build them and live in them.
0: Mm, Good stuff. No, no, that's great stuff. Thank you very much for that really interesting. Super, so we'll wrap it up there. Thank you very much to my guests. And thank you all to all. Thank you very much. You've been listening to the Surveyor Hub podcast We'd love it if you leave a review and let us know how we're doing. And if you want to find out more about how we're making a difference, visit us at blueboxpartners.com.